Welcome to Prime Alpha's interview series, insights from industry practitioners discussing their journey and their discoveries. Hello, my name is Amanda Drogia, the CEO of Prime Alpha, an online ecosystem bringing together alternative opportunities and their investors. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Sanjay Tolia, founder and managing director of Bengal Capital, a private equity firm in the emerging cannabis industry. Welcome, Sanjay. Glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Um, this is going to be probably one of our more interesting podcasts because it's going to be around cannabis. <laughs> so um, I think our listeners are very interested. So I'll just jump in. The firm has been immersed in the cannabis sector since 2010. So tell us about your journey and how, how cannabis came about. So my journey was a very roundabout way. It came from um, personally learning about the industry and personally investing in the space for years and opening up to the opportunities that were ahead of us. The more I researched uh, how big this opportunity was on an economic level, but really how big it was on just, uh, just the societal changes that will come from this, the health and wellness benefits, kind of creation of an entirely new industry. It's, I say that with a grain of salt. It's not new. It is, it, you have to respect how uh, long back the illicit market and just how deeply ingrained that market is, not only in this country, but across the world, but creating the transition for that market to become uh, legalized and for everyone to benefit from. It was that, that opportunity that really uh, called to us to focus all our efforts from the, the world of finance, where we were before, into the world of cannabis. So describe for the audience what that pivotal point is when you said, wow, this is an opportunity set and, and what is it? Why? So I, I've, I've always been very entrepreneurial by nature. Uh, we I say we a lot. I have an identical twin brother. I started uh, with him a hedge fund that focused on stock option trading in 2007. Um, and after, after learning about the derivatives markets in the, the options trading pits of Chicago, we kind of realized what a tremendous opportunity and how overlooked it was that a lot of people didn't have access to to trading stock options back then. This is before Robinhood and all those other things where stock options were a very esoteric asset class. And before uh, it, it hit the mainstream, they were extremely lucrative because there weren't a lot of other people playing in them. Um, same kind of thing with cannabis. As we started investing into cannabis, we started realizing how big the industry was and it was going to be, but also the structural reasons why people couldn't invest in it. Just the fact that it was federally illegal, there's a boatload of other structural issues why people either cannot uh, invest in it or will not invest in it. We started to see that there was such a big dislocation there that we should really focus a lot of our time and energy on capturing that spread. I, I think everyone understands, you know, buying and selling cannabis itself, but there's a whole industry around or a sector around cannabis. Um, and I know you guys invest in kind of special situations. Um, can you describe what is that and, and some examples? There's very few things that as a, uh, as a society, we can all say with consensus that we think is, uh, uh, is going to grow over the next five to 10 years. Cannabis is one of the very few that if you ask a room of 100 people, is cannabis is going to be bigger 10 years from now than it is today? 100% of the people will raise their hand. Now, if you ask them, how can you take advantage of that opportunity? 
suddenly maybe one or two people raise their hand because there's a million ways to play this. Is it through infrastructure and real estate? Is it the brands? Is it uh, limited license state? Is it Canadian and international stuff? There are just so many paths to follow and how this industry is going to shake up. In terms of cannabis, I think about, you know, everyone understands you buy and sell cannabis itself, but there are obviously a whole industry surrounding it. So can you explain a little bit about that um, and what that means and also kind of what the framework is for investing into cannabis? So cannabis is a, a market that everyone is talking about and everyone universally believes is going to grow into the future. And I think uh, it's one of the very few points of consensus that we have in this country that cannabis today is going to look <clears throat> much smaller than what it's going to look like five years from now. But that may be consensus, but how to play it is absolutely not consensus. There are uh, there's a million ways to to play it, whether it's it, there's real estate ancillary services like you know financial services, hardware, uh, <clears throat> weed maps just went public. Like there there are so many ways to play the ancillary space then as well as just cannabis itself and because of the the laws and regulations around the u.s plant touching opportunities they've all been forced to go to canada a lot of the retail investors can't invest it or by retail i mean u.s retail cannot invest in a lot of these canadian exchanges u.s institutions cannot invest in a lot of these Canadian uh, lower exchanges where the cannabis companies are all based out of. So there's a ton of confusion. And so how do you actually play and express your opinion into cannabis if you do think that this is a growing trend? And frankly, there is no one easy way to do it. You need a very uh, in-depth and hands-on approach. There are, you can, you can play brands, you can play limited license states, you can play Canadian and international markets, there's IP portfolios. There, there are so many ways to play it and they all depend on the very local, very micro level local jurisdictions that they operate in. So what, what is so helpful for us as we're looking at cannabis is we have operational expertise in a lot of these jurisdictions. What makes you great in Washington or California means nothing in Florida or Illinois and vice versa. What makes you great in Canada means absolutely nothing in the United States. Now, a lot of those jurisdictions have very specific skill sets that if applied properly to another jurisdiction might really work, but it, it does not transfer over to apples to apples. So the, the best way, in our opinion, to get a broad exposure to the industry is to target various jurisdictions and various kind of business models across the entire ecosystem. Um, and we having been operating in, and investing into this market for many years can, can now suss out what the best ones are and give a broad overall kind of exposure to the space versus you know, just picking one stock or one specific kind of ancillary service to go after. We think the best way to truly express you know, going long cannabis is a uh, is a broad portfolio of very diverse assets that we are very active in operating and uh, selecting for investors. How long do you think that long hold is? What's a long term play? Oh, I I, I think we are in the very nascent uh, in early innings. I, I know that everyone makes the analogies. We're in the second inning of cannabis. I mean, we have. We went through the first inning and then we've 
crashed down for a while and now we're, we're, we're peeking our head up. The, the cannabis industry is so heavily driven uh, from the regulatory framework that comes out of you know, these governmental bodies, whether it's in Canada or the US. We, we really focus on the US. So let's just talk about the US. We had a huge run up in cannabis asset prices after uh, the, the Senate flip, flip blew in, uh, in January, much more so the Senate than even the presidential race. And we're very close to making some real progress, hopefully, on the uh, federal legislative front. But if it doesn't happen, and I would, I would put it the odds that maybe one third we get something meaningful, two thirds we probably won't. So if we do not get meaningful legislation from the U.S. government, uh, I think we'll probably meander along a little bit more, which is, is it's probably better for incumbent operators, even if the asset prices don't actually like fully reflect what's happening on the ground. Uh, because the, the businesses businesses are all growing. The cat's out of the bag. States need revenue. Um, the the electorate is voting. Like you know, you're, you're seeing this time and time again. Red states are flipping. I mean, between criminal justice reform and medical marijuana, it is really the only two bipartisan issues we still have in this country. So we are we are very very early days of what will be over the next. 15 to 20 years, maybe longer, a, you know, a, a, a hugely incumbent industry, uh, a growth industry in the U.S. I mean, I, I saw a great stat from Boris Jordan, who was the CEO of Cureleaf, that, that uh, he was talking about some economic data that he had that if federal legislation came through and made it fully legal, the industry would, would employ two and a half to three million people across this country. I mean, there's very few industries that you could think of that are starting from starting from nothing just five to 10 years ago, that uh, would be such a meaningful kind of growth story for America for the, for the future and beyond. So I think we are extremely early on into what, uh, what this is going to grow into. That's incredible. I mean, if you, if you look at history, there are, you're right, there are very few places where you see that kind of growth. There's usually a lot of these, these very disruptive business models they're, they're disrupting an incumbent operator. Here, the incumbent operator is the illicit market, and it is there in the tens of, if not hundreds of billions of dollars across the globe. So the market's there, it's proven. Now, how do we shift that consumption over to the, uh, the regulated market? I always use the analogy, if, if we were all meeting up for a drink, and if I pulled out a jar of moonshine, you guys would, your eyes would pop out of your head, right? But that is the, the practice in cannabis right now. You should, people show up with a little baggie. But once they realize, and, um, and once they get used to tested, safe, consistent product, uh, there's no chance that anyone's going to ever consume from a baggie. Now, if you look at like the post-prohibition America, this took longer than expected. This takes consumer behavior from what they've been used to for the last hundred years. And now we're expecting them to switch over instantaneously, especially when the price of consistent product and regulation in, in taxes means that the prices are a little higher in the regulated market than they are the illicit market. But eventually the consumers will want the safety and consistency of regulated product. It might not happen as fast as we all want it to, but it absolutely will happen. And so the market and the underlying fundamentals behind it are, are there. They're, they're in place right now. I mean, yes, the, definitely the winds are there um, helping. Um, but if you think about what are, what are some of the challenges 
um, in the space. The challenges in the space for the on the U.S. side are what happens a w with federal legalization. There are so many different business models in these different states. How they will all kind of um, adapt to the new changes. What if we not if when we eventually have interstate commerce. I personally don't view that as happening anytime remotely soon, but it, it probably will happen. And how does that affect you know infrastructure projects into into states that uh, never thought that they were going to get, you know, outdoor products shipped in from the West Coast. Um, just in terms of regulatory versus more than interstate commerce, right? We've saw, seen this with Canada, but what happens when the FDA gets involved? CBD. Everyone thought in 2018 with the farm bill, CBD was going to be free and clear, and it was going to be, you know, a a, a very simple and uh, uniform set of regulations that everyone could play under. It's been anything but. It's been a disaster. Uh, every state has its own regulatory regimes and um, different opinions on CBD that are based not really in, in by science at all. Uh, and so it's actually been more confusing for operators. Will we get something like that for cannabis? Maybe. I personally don't think so because there, there are, at least with cannabis, there is such a uh, existing interest of uh, of, of, of companies and tax revenue for the states that they're not going to want to rock the apple cart, so to speak. Um, but there are, there's certainly a lot to be, uh, is a lot of unknowns as this rolls out. But the, 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 the I, I tend to focus on the knowns versus the unknowns. The knowns is that it's massively popular. It is, it is creating jobs and tax revenues and, you know, consumer delight. We have opioid, we have the opioid epidemics. We have, uh, we have, alcoholism is rampant after post-COVID, uh, binge drinking and stuff like that. And, and you have a, a product that can really help solve all of those things in one fail swoop. So I, I just don't see how this can, uh, can be denied. So you talked about there are so many ways to play it. And you started out with your brother in options and really seeing opportunity in very fragmented or, or, or kind of opaque areas. Um, when you started Bengal, what was, what was the kind of thinking of like, how, how are we going to play it? What, what is where we're going to optimize for our investors? So there, there are, there's a ton of ways to play it. Uh, and the key here is you got to really focus on the stuff that you think, you know, the best. And frankly, in cannabis, nobody you, you have to come in with a with a beginner's mindset everybody's constantly learning there is there is uh, a, a very deep knowledge and of legacy market of the illicit market and uh you have to be very respectful for all of that and so the way we decided we were going to play it is we were going to align ourselves with operators and teams that had a lot of skin in the game and that were approaching the field in the same way we were, were from a place of uh, they're, they're doing it mission driven. Um, it was, it was always about helping patients, um, and, and really solving some kind of problem, uh, whether it was, I can't tell you how many of our businesses were started because of personal stories of having a kid with epilepsy, having a, uh, a family member that had cancer and couldn't get drugs. And, and I find like those kind of mission driven companies, uh, with, aligned incentives like they started it themselves they funded it themselves those are the ones that we had the we have had the best outcomes because that's just the way we operate as well but 
starting from there and then analyzing how they fit into their uh, the markets and the jurisdictions that they operate in. But I, I cannot stress enough on how much just aligning incentives and getting uh, companies that are in it for the overall mission versus the, the, the money. Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of shortcuts you can play in on the ground operating in this industry that uh, are are and will be massively hurtful for these companies if they don't do it the right way. By that, I mean, there's a lot of shortcuts. There's a lot of ways you can, uh, when you're on the ground and you have this burden of regulatory responsibility, there's a lot of ways to, 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 to you know, cut around corners and whatnot. But we invest in teams and businesses that are, are do it the right way, even, even at their own kind of uh, financial impediment, uh, because you're kind of fighting a lot of times uh, with, with one arm tied behind your back because your competitors aren't playing by the rules. But again, in the end, it will be shown that, that if you align yourself with great operators, mission-driven and uh, a lot of skin in the game, that is the way to win in this industry. I love that. So I think, and, and I'd love to ask this question, which is if, you, if you're talking to an investor, how do you explain how, to, how does cannabis fit in their portfolio? To me, cannabis is uh, one of the few kind of uncorrelated assets in the portfolio. This, this is something that is growing pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, during pandemic. I mean, the, the compound annual growth rate of cannabis as an overall industry has been rock solid uh, in the 20s over the last couple of years. Didn't matter who was president, didn't matter what was going on economically. Um, and so as it is a truly uncorrelated asset class, this is to me one of the few ways to avoid, you know, just the the, the whipsaws of the public markets. Um, you have the fundamentals are growing despite who, who's in the uh, who's in office and uh, who's calling the shots. To me, it is a uh, it is a big thematic piece of anyone's portfolio and. The key to a to to the, the the most secure portfolios. No one likes to hear this when uh, it goes against you. But diversification, right? Like if everything goes up at the same time, everything goes down at the same time. You're not diversified. Cannabis is truly uncorrelated in a lot of those respects because it 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 does not follow uh, at least the fundamentals on the ground. Do not follow a lot of the whims of the markets and interest rates. I'm not saying that 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 the stocks won't move uh, because of those factors, but it is one of the few things, especially now, where everything's at all-time highs, right? It is, it's hard to find safe refuge in anything. And so you're, you're really thinking uh, everything you're buying, whether it's real estate, whether it's bonds, whether it's a stock, is in the top five percentile of their overall kind of uh, richness, I would, I, would, uh, I would say. Cannabis, there's still a lot of stocks that are misunderstood, um, that are like not wild, widely held, they're illiquid, and you can, you can still find value. So it's uncorrelated and you can find value from like the, the fundamentals on the ground and you're getting growth. Like you, the way these things are priced, I'm not gonna compare it to tech because tech obviously scales much faster than, than, than digital. The digital world scales much faster than cannabis. So people kind of make comparisons between the two, which I don't think is entirely accurate, but tech, the amount of the multiples that you're paying for growth here are crazy. Cannabis is priced because of the overhang of the federal government and the illiquidity in the Canadian markets. It is, it is priced so cheap compared to anything else for growth. So it's counter-cyclical. 
it's it's uncorrelated and you're getting growth at a reasonable price. I don't know of anything else out there that provides those three uh, avenues right now. Yeah, it's really hard to find value today. Okay, so I'm going to ask my fun last question. So what do you think is your superpower and why? I think it's just humility. Like we made a lot of mistakes in this industry. We've had a lot of skin knees uh, between myself and my co-founder, who was the, uh, the CEO of a public company in cannabis. We always lead by just talking about the mistakes that we made. But the this, this superpower here is, is learning from the mistakes and eating your own cooking. Like whenever we make a mistake, it, it, it hurts us the most. Um, and I look for that in the companies we invest in because we wouldn't have it any other way. So aligning incentives and just really just being, being humble about it and just trying to stay humble throughout the successes and, uh, and, and, you know, the, the failures too, you ha you have to just learn, you have to be, you have to be humble about this stuff and you got to be better every single day. This is a, a changing industry and a changing landscape. But I think that with operational expertise and investing uh, experience like ours, it's uh, we're, we're better positioned than almost anyone to kind of take advantage of the future. Thank you so much, Sanjay. That was so informative. We will drop Sanjay's contact information uh, and Bengal's information as well into this podcast. And um, I welcome him back to tell us more about how the industry grows. Thanks, Sanjay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.